The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Every business needs capital, which means higher profits and lower expenses. Are you aware of the various opportunities available for your business in securing capital? Welcome to Small Business Capital America with Michael Schumacher. Michael and his guests, which include experts, suppliers, and thought leaders, will be discussing these options and solutions to help raise your bottom line. Now, here's your host, Michael Schumacher. Hello, and welcome back to this week's edition of Small Business Capital America on the Voice America Network. I'm your host, Mike Schumacher. On our show, we discuss and we analyze capital issues for the businesses of Main Street, exploring that eternal question, capital, rent it or print it. When I refer to the businesses of Main Street, I'm referring to the small and mid-sized businesses in the U.S. with revenues that range from $10,000 a month to $10 million a month. That's our target. When I refer to print, speaking about capital, I'm talking about borrowing or getting a loan. I'm talking about debt capital. When I refer to print with regard to capital, I'm talking about profits. And that is not a dirty word. Profits is a great thing. I'm talking about increasing revenues, reducing expenses, or a combination of those two. As an entrepreneur, I understand capital issues are dynamic and that the likely capital solution for most businesses is a blend of rented and printed capital. With that mix changing over time as your business changes, we all face internal and external forces that change what we have to do in our business. We have to adapt. It's equally as important that we're adapting our capital structure as we're adapting our business. When I'm talking about this mix between rented and printed capital, I'm really talking about leverage. Think about it this way. Rented capital is the lever that multiplies printed capital. So if you're a small business or a mid-sized business and you are profitable and we add some debt capital to there, we kind of leverage it up a little bit. We are increasing your profits. We are increasing your capital. However, if you're not profitable and we introduce debt capital and we don't do it in a manner that increases your profitability and puts you in profitability, then we're multiplying your losses. So that's balance. It's really important when we do that that we mix that leverage, that rented and printed capital, and we leverage it properly. That's what we like to talk about on our show. That's what's important to us. Much of this week's show is focused on equipment finance, specifically leasing. We're going to spend some time talking about a history of leasing, kind of give you some perspective. We want to talk about the types and classifications of leases. We're going to talk about lease pricing. 
We're going to talk about leasing versus buying that decision. What's the right thing? What things could should you consider? We're going to go through some terms used in leasing because I think for me that's a that's a biggie is uh, when you can speak the language, you feel more comfortable. When someone's not speaking a foreign language to you, you feel more comfortable. So let's get the terms out there. We're going to talk about the size of the leasing industry. What what kind of volumes is are happening out there? We're going to talk about what's hot and what's not in leasing right now. Going to go through some frequently asked questions. We're going to go through an overview of the current leasing market. We're going to talk about what 2016 looks like going forward in leasing. And then we're going to really look at equipment leasing by industry. Where are the dollars flowing? Who's got the demand? All of this is to give you perspective, to give you information. That data is powerful. We want you to have that reliable and accurate information so you can get to the truth about your capital situation, your capital need. I want to spend a little bit of time in the show as we have time talking about a new report out of Cambridge on alternative finance. Going to talk about uh, some key financial terms beyond leasing. Want to give you an update of future shows, what's going on. And then, uh, as time permits, we've been asked to repeat our, uh, our presentation on what happens in, uh, in funding and how you can be more comfortable with the funding process. As, as you can see and, and learn by now, we really take favor the holistic approach. We want solutions that are blended. It's not just about blending rented and printed capital, but within rented capital or borrowed capital, you have asset-based loans, you have term loans, you have lines of credit, you have equipment financing, you have real estate financing, accounts receivable financing. So you want the right blend within rented capital. And then on the printed side, that profit, you want the right blend of things that increase your revenue and things that reduce your expenses. And they can't fight each other. They have to be the right blend. They have to complement each other, if you would. What do we do on the show? We talk about all things rented and printed capital. What don't we do is we don't do politics, and uh, we don't really do personal finance, although you know that's a little bit of a misnomer. As entrepreneurs, we all understand that our businesses are a large part of our financial picture personally. So while I don't touch on personal finance, I do understand that uh, your business is a large part of your personal finance. A little bit about the history of leasing. Um, leasing is historically the larger source of funding for equipment, more so than loans or purchases outright with cash. So most equipment today is financed via lease. And that means mom and pop businesses, the small businesses doing $10,000 a month. It also means the businesses doing $10 million a month and the businesses that are in the Fortune 50, Fortune 100. They're leasing. So there's something to be said for it. In today's environment, you can lease anything from a copy machine to an oil rig, from a car or a truck to an airplane. There are options out there to rent or to lease all different kinds of assets to use in your business. Just as many opportunities as there are to lease pieces of equipment or different types of equipment, there are that many equipment leasing companies because they all specialize in a niche. The industry's got a lot of history. It goes back 4,000 plus years to the ancient Sumerians. They wrote their leases 
on clay tablets. And they did those leases for everything from agricultural tools, land, water rights, oxen, other animals. You see it was kind of centered around agriculture, but a variety of different items. From there, the Greeks, the Romans, the Egyptians, and the Phoenicians all used leases for financing equipment, land, and livestock, really around that agricultural theme. Then all of a sudden, the Phoenicians came along with the idea of introducing the ship charter, which closely resembles today's leases, and really introduced a major increase or a leap forward in leasing via the shipping industry. The next major change in leasing came as we moved from just agriculture to shipping to all of a sudden the railroads. So we go 4,000 years between the Sumerians and the railroads. Not a lot of evolution in leasing, but then all of a sudden the railroads come along. Very equipment intensive. They needed capital to get that equipment. They were growing like crazy, and we just had another leap forward in equipment leasing. Along comes the early 1900s, and we find the appearance of independent leasing companies, companies that are their only business is to do equipment leases. They mainly supported the railroad in the beginning, but over time, as the Industrial Revolution took off in the early 1900s, they began to support all industries. Shortly after that, a concept called captive leasing companies came to be. This is basically manufacturers that set up their own leasing companies to help them sell more products. Companies like Bell Telephone, Hughes Tools, they were some early leaders in the captive leasing space. The next big jump forward or push forward or adjustment came with the Great Depression. And, you know, so much pressure was on finding creative financing ideas that it really helped the leasing industry, although it was a painful time for people. The leasing industry came along as an innovative, innovative way to finance. Then we hit the 1950s and a little bit of economic downturn after World War II. We found that uh, you know, the government started incentivizing through taxes and other methods, leases. They became more and more popular because they were conducive to what's happening in the government. Finally, in 1970, we had a breakthrough. Some laws changed and the banks jumped into the leasing market. That was another boost to leasing. The next real point of change was the financial crisis of 2007-2008. While painful for everyone, it helped us to recognize the challenges with finance and the need for more innovation. So leases took another, well, they took a hit. They also took a step forward because everyone recognized that we needed this new and better way of doing finance. We needed creative capital. It was really important to move us forward. Leases get called by a lot of different names and a lot of different type of leases, so we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about some of the terms to make sure that you're comfortable with the terms and that they aren't being used as a way to leverage you or to outposition you in a transaction. I think I'd start with, what is a lease? Pretty good question, right? We're talking about equipment leases. For the purposes of our discussion, a lease is a transaction between a lessor and a lessee in which the lessor transfers possession and use of a property for consideration 
but retains all rights, the title, the interest in, and to the property over a specified term, after which the property is returned to the lessor. Very simple, just kind of break it down like that. We have all different types of leases. The two biggest classifications are operating leases and capital leases. And the way I like to think about these is an operating lease is one that has the characteristics of a rental. We really see operating leases appear on our profit and loss statement primarily. On the other hand, capital leases are a little bit different. While there's parts of them on the P&L, they really have the characteristics of an asset, almost a purchase agreement, if you would, and we see them primarily on the balance sheet as an asset. So as you can see, we've got several different types of leases, and for that, you know, there's a lot of different terms, and it's important that you have knowledge in those terms as we move forward. So here's what I'd like to do. I'd like to talk about some of the terms within leasing. The first thing I'd like to talk about is a bundle lease, sometimes referred to as a full service lease. This is a lease that includes additional services, such as maintenance or maybe insurance or maybe property taxes, and they're all paid for by the lessor, the cost of which is built into the payments. So it's called a bundle lease or a full service lease. We have a term out there called a commercial lease or a business lease. All that means is a lease that's entered into for business or commercial purposes. Very simple. A term that's associated with uh, leases and loans around equipment is chattel mortgage. You may hear that term from now, now and again. And all that means is a lien placed on some personal property for the purposes of securing the debt. Real simple. Don't let them throw you off with these terms. A closed-in lease. That's a lease that does not contain a purchase or renewal option at the end. Thereby, as a lessee, you simply return the equipment to the lesser at the end of the lease term. Simple process. Before we uh, get going any further, I just got a notice here. We got a break coming up here, so I'd like to go ahead and take the break. When we come back, I'm going to talk about a few more terms around leasing finances, and then we'll move on with uh, some other areas of leasing that I think are important for you to understand as you look at the capital mix and what's the right capital mix for your business. I look forward to seeing you on the other side of the break. Talk to you soon. Thanks. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. BizDoc Capital Group was founded in 2007 and is committed to the success of small and mid-cap enterprises. BizDoc provides innovative, fast, affordable business financing solutions and saving solutions to small and mid-cap businesses. We tailor solutions to meet your business needs. Our solutions include term loans, lines of credit, equipment financing, commercial real estate financing, tax savings programs, and business expense savings programs. For more information, visit bizdoccapital.com. Again, bizdoccapital.com. Did you know where you bank really matters? Values-based banking is a growing, global, viable alternative to the current banking system. Find out how you can join, share, and participate in a positive money movement 
that is designed to put the power back in your pockets. Listen for Building Banking on Values with host Linda Ryan. Your money matters. There is a solution, and you can be a part of something greater. Tune in every Thursday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. It's about a different kind of banking. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to Small Business Capital America with host Michael Schumacher. If you have a question or comment about the program, please send an email to mschumacher at biz.capital.com. That's mschumacher at bizdoccapital.com. Now, back to Small Business Capital America. Welcome back to our second segment. We're going to continue some conversation around some leasing and financing terms, what they mean, and this is all about empowering you in the dialogue whenever you're looking at financing. The next uh, term that I wanted to throw out there was a, something called a conditional sales contract. It's very closely associated with leases, and it, he says, it is essentially, I'm sorry, banging on the microphone there, the financing of purchase, the financing for the purchase of a property. So you, the title is going to pass on to the buyer only after having met certain obligations. So somewhat like maybe a lease where at the end you own it. A dry lease. Uh, this is typically whenever you're doing marine equipment or aircraft, a dry lease simply means you pay for the fuel. You also have to pay for the personnel and the provisions to operate the craft. A finance lease, that, that's kind of like a capital lease, same term there. So usually it's a capital lease. Frequently there's a third party involved in it. So don't throw you with that term. It's either an operating lease or a capital lease. Full payout lease or a full payment lease. It's simply a lease in which the lesser recovers through all the lease payments, all the costs incurred, plus a rate of return for themselves. That's what most of us enter into is a full payout lease at some point. Leveraged lease. Um, that involves, at a minimum, a lessee, a lesser, funding coming from a third party. So it's really just introducing someone besides the lesser and the lessee into a lease. Master lease. This is kind of an important term if you're leasing. Let's say that you wanted to lease some forklifts and you start out with 10. You would go into a master lease. It's, uh, it's really not a lease it's just an agreement under which you have multiple leases, and they're represented as schedules. So if you had this master lease for forklifts and you wanted to add a forklift, you don't have to go out and do a new lease agreement. You do simply a schedule, adding that lease to your already master lease. We've probably all heard of a net lease or a triple net lease. Um, that's where all the costs associated with operating the property are build extra. Maybe the term CAM comes to mind when you think about that. We have things like a non-tax lease, that's any lease where the lessee will automatically become the owner during or at the end of the lease. An open-ended lease, that's a lease where you know it guarantees some future residual at which the property can be purchased for. 
we have a term called a safe harbor lease. This is really about um, working with the anyone who works with the federal government. So it's a lease where it's created for the purpose of transferring a federal tax benefit from one party who couldn't use it to another party who could use it. Simple, simple term. Just break it down. Sale lease back. That's uh, just simply you own some equipment. You're going to sell it to the leasing company and lease it back from them. What it does, it's a great way, by the way, to free up working capital. Let's say you own a couple pieces of equipment. They're worth about 50000 You can potentially do a sell back, sell lease back, uh, sell them to the leasing company, lease that equipment back, and pick up you know, 25000 for yourself for working capital for your business. I love sale lease backs because it's using an asset you already have to get you the capital you need to continue your growth. We have skip payment leases. That allows for, uh, if your business is very seasonal, it allows you during certain slow times to skip a payment. Uh, step payment leases, you might hear that term now and then, and that simply means that the payment can increase or step up under contractual terms. A wet lease, very much the opposite of a dry lease. That means that if you were to lease uh, some kind of equipment such as an airplane or a marine vessel, and it comes with fuel as part of the wet lease, part of the agreement. Lease pricing is a little bit different than loan pricing. It's important to understand that. When we go to the bank and get a loan for equipment, it usually comes in one of two forms, either a fixed payment loan or a fixed principal loan. Now, a fixed payment loan is just that. Your monthly payment stays the same throughout the life of the loan. A fixed principal loan means that you pay back a fixed amount of principal each month, but your interest payment goes down over time because your principal balance is going down over time. A lease acts much like a fixed payment or a level payment loan. That's that kind of an instrument. Much like your car loan or your mortgage loan. Some of the key components, because we don't use average percentage rate in a lease, we use a payment we quote. We don't quote a percentage rate. Some of the key components to that pricing, and it's important you understand what they are. First of all, it's the term. How long is the lease going to be for? Then there's any associated fees uh, related to making the transaction happen. Any advance payments or deposits, such a first and last payment, will impact the payment or the terms over time. The yield that the uh, lessor is looking for, how much money are they trying to make? That's going to impact your lease payment over time. There's the residual, that is the price at which you can purchase the leased equipment at the end or what they think it's worth at the end. And then finally, there's the original cost that you pay for the equipment. Sometimes one of the greatest impactors to your lease price is the equipment itself. Some equipment is more risky than other equipment, as are some businesses more risky than other businesses. Kind of leads us into this lease versus buy decision. When is it right to buy and when is it right to lease? The answer is yes, because it's a very situational answer. It depends on your business. You want to look at two key components when you're making this decision do I lease or buy? 
the first thing you want to look for is a cash flow analysis. You want to set side by side. If I bought it, here's the impact of my cash flow. If I leased it, here's the impact to my cash flow. So you want to look what's better for your daily, monthly cash flow. The second thing you want to consider is you want to work with your accountant or your CPA, whoever helps you with tax matters, and you want to understand the tax benefits of leases versus loans. And you want to factor those in because they can affect your cash flow analysis. Those are the two things. You've got to make the best decision for your business and for the time in your business. There might be times in your business when, ooh, I want to save a little bit of money over the long haul and I'm going to pay cash today because that is cheaper or I might get a loan today. But there are times when a lease is cheaper because your cash flow is improved by using a lease. So it's really going to depend on your situation, what's happening in your business. I'm always curious about you know, the size of an industry, how big they are. And, and I, I have to tell you, when I did my research on equipment financing, I was blown away to learn that in 2015, for the first year ever, the equipment leasing industry did over $1 trillion in leasing. That is a lot of equipment. There must be something good happening out there in leasing because that's how equipment's getting done. I wanted to talk just a little bit about leasing over time and the volume that we've seen because you know it's cyclical with the economy. But just to give you a point of reference, 2009, coming out of the recession, we as an industry, the equipment finance industry, about did about $647 billion. And now in 2015, we just did over a trillion. So if I did my math correct, that's over a 40% increase in about six years. So, you know, that's a little bit about the economics. You want to know what you're up against. Is this a big industry? Do they know what they're doing? Yeah, clearly they know what they're doing by the size of the industry. That's a great indicator. When I look at an industry, when I look at someone I'm going to negotiate with, I want to know what's going on in their business. And that's why I share what's hot and what's not in the, in the industry. Uh, I'm going to look at a and give you some highlights from a, a report that was done in January and February of this year. Uh, it was done by an equipment company, so it's biased. I don't want to say it's not biased, but what they did is they took a survey of people on the supply side, the lessors, if you would, to find out what's happening from their perspective regarding equipment financing. And one of the questions they asked, probably the most insightful question that they asked is, total dollar volume of business for a specific type of equipment. So what types of equipment are you lending to? Are you going ahead and financing? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read these off, and I'm going to make sure you, you get a perspective here because I think it's important to know that there were only two businesses or industries where the equipment was down. Oil and gas and energy, no, no, no kidding, right? We all understand that. And printing equipment, that was down about 15. However, the number one best and worst industry ranked by the equipment finance people, number one was construction, second was medical, then machine tools, high-tech, truck and trailer, aircraft, railer, plastics industry, 
marine, automobiles, telecom, containers and chassis. So that's how they rank the industries. That's who we're negotiating with. We want to make sure we have the same information they have so we can have intelligent conversations and well-positioned conversations. Another question they asked that I thought was insightful is they just wanted to know what's happening with residuals. That's that dollar amount that the leased equipment is worth at the end of the lease. And almost without exception, they said residuals are trending lower. So what does that mean? If the residual is lower, the equipment's worth less at the end of the lease, that means that the equipment is going to have a higher lease price or monthly payment during the life of the lease. Something to consider about. When you're making and having your negotiations, you need to be aware of that. So for 2016, you know, overwhelmingly, construction's the, the big winner in, in equipment financing from the perspective of the lessors. Oil and gas is, is down the drain, uh, while medical equipment uh, is on the rise along with uh, a couple of other industries. Yellow iron, that, uh, that big yellow equipment that we see moving roads, is uh, slowly giving way to high-technology gear in, in the equipment financing world or the leasing world. So with that, I'm going to uh, take a break here. We'll be back on the other side. We're going to talk about just a couple of uh, other insights that they had. We're going to talk about some frequently answered questions and keep moving forward. Look forward to seeing you on the other side. Thank you. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. BizDoc Capital Group was founded in 2007 and is committed to the success of small and mid-cap enterprises. BizDoc provides innovative, fast, affordable business financing solutions and saving solutions to small and mid-cap businesses. We tailor solutions to meet your business needs. Our solutions include term loans, lines of credit, equipment financing, commercial real estate financing, tax savings programs, and business expense savings programs. For more information, visit bizdoccapital.com. Again, bizdoccapital.com. Savvy business owners, learn how auspicious timing can have a positive influence on business decisions and strategies. You can achieve your goals while creating a competitive edge in your given field. Tune into Illuminating Feng Shui with host Kathleen Zamansky, where classical feng shui and Chinese metaphysics work together to help you discover your strengths and use them at the right times. Tune in every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll-free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to Small Business Capital America with host Michael Schumacher. 
If you have a question or comment about the program, please send an email to mschumacher at biz.capital.com. That's mschumacher at bizdoccapital.com. Now, back to Small Business Capital America. Welcome back to our third segment of this week's episode. Continuing our conversation around leasing, as a lessor, someone who's going to potentially lease equipment, it's important that we understand what worries the lessee because I think that gives us maybe not leverage in a conversation but understanding in a conversation and allows us to position the best transaction for us because we understand maybe what the concerns are of the other party. So one of the things the survey I was speaking about earlier did was it looked at what are the greatest threats in the opinion of the lessor to the economy. So here's what keeps them up at night. A global economic slowdown. Mm, Not sure we can get a lot out of that. A downturn in the economy, recession here at home. Now that we can use because we know that they're worried about their sales numbers, their revenue numbers, because they're potentially worried about a downturn. That's helpful to us. Weakness in the energy segment. I don't know that that really helps us other than they're trying to reposition dollars out of that segment into another segment. Stagnation of the global economy. Again, kind of a theme there. Slowing economy, stagnation, downturn in the economy. This is worrying them. And what worries them is a downturn in their revenue line. Large groups of assets being marketed at the same time, driving down prices. So there's another thing that worries them. So all of a sudden now, they're worried about pricing. Currency rates, interest rates, supply and demand on a global basis, not much we can take out of that. Uh, Uncertain economic times, rates, political uncertainty, not much we can use there. But a couple of things we can take away, and I think they're powerful, so please just bear with me for a moment. We can take away that the lessors in general, what's keeping them up at night is a potential downturn in revenue and a potential devaluation in the underlying collateral. Use that information in your conversations, your dialogues, and your negotiations. Frequently asked questions. I mean, we all have questions around leasing, and these these are some of the more popular questions, more frequent questions with regard to what's really happening with equipment leasing. One of the things we hear a lot is, what is the interest rate on the lease? I need to know the interest rate. It's none. There, there is no stated interest rate. It's calculated on a rental rate. What is your monthly payment? And that's affected by risk. The business is affected by type of equipment. So what you want to focus on is that monthly payment and what it does to cash flow. It's back to that decision we've talked about in the past. You know if you're going to buy a piece of equipment, what you're going to do with that equipment, and you know what the potential financial gain is for you. So if you know what that financial gain is, and you negotiate between a couple of different equipment suppliers, and you find the lowest payment on the piece of equipment you want, you now know the profit you're going to get or the revenue you're going to get from that, and you know the cost of it. So you know the profitability of that piece of equipment. That's what you need to focus on right there. 
The next question is, uh, may the equipment be returned at any time if you lease it? No. Uh, a lease is a non-cancelable agreement for a specific period of time. You don't just get turn it in because you don't want it anymore. So people think leases are like renting. And although they emulate it in some ways, uh, there's definitely a defined term within a lease. What are the options at the end of that lease? Now, that's usually really simple. You have three options generally with any lease. depends on your agreement. But generally speaking, you have three options. One is to purchase the equipment at the end of the lease. One would be to continue to lease the equipment. And one would be to return it, turn it back in. A lot of times we get asked about taxes because there are tax implications related to a lease. And so people want to know, who's responsible for the taxes? Well, almost always, and I'm not sure of any circumstances where this isn't the case, the lessee, the person leasing the equipment, is responsible for the taxes. It's kind of like a net lease concept. We get a lot of questions around equipment and warranty. So if I'm leasing equipment, what happens to the warranty? Well, the warranty, although it's held by the lessor, good for the lessor, it's passed through to the lessee. Think about it this way. The lessor doesn't want you having trouble with that equipment and you get frustrated and stop making payments. They want to make sure that you know, you're happy with that equipment, so they're going to pass on the warranty in full. Another question we get asked a lot, and I think it's a, it's a good question, because if you're going to go out and buy a piece of equipment, uh, you might have some software, some maintenance contracts, some training associated with that. And the question always comes up, well, do I have to pay for that in cash outside the lease myself? And in most cases, the answer is no. You can get that included in the lease in most cases. It's so important to understand. Hopefully that's giving you some, some good information. Uh, the leasing industry today, here's a great number for you. Understand this. When you're having a negotiation, you can uh, you can use this. 80% of equipment that's sold today is leased. Every leasing situation is unique, so you got many factors to consider in the structure of the lease. The type of equipment and the industry you're in and the state of your business. You want to make sure that you've got a great fit, that you're getting the right leasing company that understands and respects your industry that understands and respects the equipment you're doing and is looking for a rate of return that fits your model for your business. The players in this industry are banks and bank-owned companies are still pretty decent-sized players in the industry. Um, dealers and distributors are more and more involved in leasing. You've got independent lease companies uh, that are out there. That's dozens and dozens and dozens of them by industry, by type of equipment, by geography. You've got the captive lease companies, the manufacturers that have gone out and set up their own leasing entities, and finally have people who broker or package deals and uh, work with a lot of different leasing companies. So there are many ways to approach leasing, many players. Let's just make sure you get the right players and you're looking at making the right kind of decisions. I always find, and I, and I try to share this as much as possible, that when we are thinking about a purchase or we're thinking about an acquisition or we're thinking about a negotiation, information, data, facts are power. We want reliable and accurate information. So one of the places you might look for reliable and accurate information around 
equipment financing, although it's somewhat biased because it's funded by the industry, is the Equipment Leasing and Finance Foundation. Um, I'm going to give you a little bit about their speech. The foundation is really it's just a research organization dedicated to this industry, equipment financing. Uh, tries to accomplish the mission through uh, future-focused studies, reports on critical issues, and their research is intended to be predictive and peer-reviewed by industry experts, not academics, industry experts. Keep in mind that perspective. So some of the things that came out of their 2016 forecast that, that jumped off the page at me and I want to share with you are that they still feel like there's lingering headwinds out there that could result in modest to moderate equipment and software investment growth in 2016. Um, they feel like agriculture and machinery investment will likely remain weak over the next three to six months. Construction growth may slow somewhat, yet they do expect it to remain solid. Material and handling equipment they expect should get weaker over the next three to six months. Uh, industrial equipment is likely to slow up a little bit. Metal equipment, medical equipment is stabilizing over the next three months. Aircraft is uh, expected to increase over the next three months, interesting, along with uh, ships and boats. Rail equipment is to remain negative. Uh, truck investment is to grow steadily over the next three to six months. Computer investment, moderately, while software investment is to strengthen, to continue to strengthen. The U.S. credit system is still really healthy. Um, financial stress is, is really muted, and uh, there just aren't many limiting factors right now. They do talk a little bit about the overall economy, and while you know, that's not our mission here, I think it's important that we understand that the perceptions of the overall economy affect what happens on a day-to-day -day basis for us. So their view is that as the domestic strength here over, overset, offsets excuse me, any global headwinds out there, that they do expect GDP to tick up from 2.6% in 2015 all the way up to 2.8% in 2016. Now, that's very modest, um, about an 8% increase in the growth rate from 2.6 to 2.8. But they do think there's several key factors uh, that have caused growth to falter in recent years and why some segments have lagged behind. Um, they're hoping for an a fundamental shift in, uh, in 2016, but here are their thoughts. Slowing growth in China and the global ramifications for heavy equipment manufacturers. That's a challenge. Um, however, they think that the housing industry is going to offset that just a little bit. In their study, the Equipment Leasing Foundation, they found that the 10-year average is moving upward. In, in other words, more equipment being financed in agriculture, medical, aircraft, trucks, computers, and software. Again, those same industries that they see moving forward, it's important that we understand what those industries are because if we're in them, then we're going to be impacted by what those results are. Investment growth rates in equipment. I think we all want to understand, you know, what are other people doing? And I want to give you just a little bit of perspective. In the fourth quarter of 2014, 
equipment versus the prior quarter. That investment in equipment was down 2.5%. However, in the third quarter of 2015, four quarters later, that it increased to 7.4%. Now, what we've seen is four straight quarters of increasing investment in equipment. Not tremendous growth, but increasing investment in equipment. That's important to understand. Um, we'll set for another break here. I'll be back on the other side, and we'll talk a little bit more about 2016, what it holds for the equipment industry. Thank you. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. BizDoc Capital Group was founded in 2007 and is committed to the success of small and mid-cap enterprises. BizDoc provides innovative, fast, affordable business financing solutions and saving solutions to small and mid-cap businesses. We tailor solutions to meet your business needs. Our solutions include term loans, lines of credit, equipment financing, commercial real estate financing, tax savings programs, and business expense savings programs. For more information, visit bizdoccapital.com. Again, bizdoccapital.com. Bob Pritchard has over 30 years of experience as a straight-talking business consultant and author working with some of the top Fortune 500 companies. Now he's come to the Voice America Business Channel to help you and your business. Tune in to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show for information about starting and successfully running a profitable business. From the movers and shakers to great marketing screw-ups, you can't afford to miss a single edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to Small Business Capital America with host Michael Schumacher. If you have a question or comment about the program, please send an email to mschumacher at biz.capital.com. That's mschumacher at bizdoccapital.com. Now, back to Small Business Capital America. Welcome back to our final segment for this week's show. I want to talk... Uh, just continuing on regarding the, the survey or the report out from the Equipment Leasing and Finance Foundation regarding the 2016 outlook for equipment leasing and also for the U.S. economy. Um, it's important that we read this and we understand this only from the perspective that this is the information that the lessors are getting. So as lessees or potential lessees, we want to make sure that we're looking at things from their perspective. So uh, their own foundation is telling them that they can expect a gradual raise in the short-term interest rates by the Fed uh, as the economy continues to get stronger. Um, they expect the tailwinds or the positive winds in the economy to outweigh any global risks. So they do expect that continuing moderate growth as we had discussed. 
They touch on a couple of key economic indicators. These are uh, good pieces of information for us to have. Number one thing, um, recent activity has suggested that consumer growth has slipped just a little bit, but it is still at a 3% annual pace. Equipment and software investment, uh, it grew 7.4% in the last quarter, as we talked about, uh, and that's the fastest quarter ever, and they really anticipate that that's going to continue. Residential investment um, has slowed, so if any of us are serving the residential builders, we need to understand that. Government expenditures increased uh, over the prior year, but they are beginning to slow in the in the final quarters. Net exports, you know, we're showing some export growth, but we're not showing that import growth. So net exports actually looked good for us. That's great, right? Economic tailwinds. So these are the things that are positive. They say job growth is back. Optimistic consumers. Housing sector isn't dead. It's still going forward. And the service sector continues to expand. What do they worry about? What's hurting the economy or potentially causing challenges? Slowing China, we talked about. Energy, uh, that's a, it's a mess. We don't know what's going to happen with energy. Uh, and manufacturing stagnation, that can happen. They do comment a little bit about state and local government spending. It's been really compressed. And you know, at some point, that spending needs to pick up again, one would think. Uh, wage and consumer spending still continue to be challenges to get the get wages up relative to to uh, the general economy growth, and uh, you know the Fed policy. It's not a done deal. Um, you know we don't know what it's going to do, but uh, the general opinion is it's going to go up. They're estimating it's going to be about uh, 1.25 percent versus the quarter percent that it is today, or half percent. Um, GDP still protecting that at 2, 2.8% for the year. Uh, spending on equipment and software, 4.4% increase they're expecting. Inflation, they're forecasting at about 2% for the year. And uh, they're looking at total payroll growth of 2350000 through the course of the year. By industry, when we break down you know, where are the sweet spots, Let's talk about agriculture for a moment first. Agriculture equipment is now 11.3 of all percent of all financing, but that's down from 11.9 percent. So, agriculture is still good, but the spending isn't where it was two years ago. If we were to look at the construction industry, that's way up. It's up from 9.6 percent to almost 11 percent of total financing volume is in construction equipment. So that's a good industry. If that's your industry or you service that industry, be aware of that. You know, when I say good, that means that the lenders are excited about it, they are focused on it, and they are freeing up capital for it. Industrial and manufacturing is unchanged to a slight change. IT and equipment, um, it's good. We're still spending a lot on technology. But it has softened in the last two years. It's softened from 21.9% to just 19.7% of equipment financing. So software is still a big sector, but it is softening. 
Health equipment is uh, 4% of, of what's happening in leasing. Uh, that's down a little bit from 2014 and 2013, so be aware of that if you're in that industry. H- here's an industry that, if, if you at all are impacted by the trucking industry, listen to these numbers. New truck sales increased by 19% in 2014, and, ex- and 2015 was expected to end up the same. New trailer orders were up 50%. The sale of used trucks was strong with very re- high resale values. The sector has been aided by low fuel, low, low fuel prices. Obviously, we all see that every day. Uh, but there's continued optimism around the trucking industry. So be aware of that if you're in trucking at all. Tonnage is, uh, is up and expected to be up another couple of percentage over the coming years. Um, Volume continues to grow, and they continue to take business from intermodal and long-distance rail. So, you know, trucking industry is a really nice uh, nice segment to be in right now. It doesn't look like we're going to get time to uh, go through all of uh, a report out there by Cambridge University on new ground that's breaking within the alternative lending industry. So we'll try and get to that next week. But it's fascinating and important for you to understand that this alternative lending makes up a ever-growing percentage of what happens in capital for businesses today. So we need to be very cognizant of it, and we need to be positioning ourselves that we're not solely focused on traditional methods. We are using some of the non-traditional or alternative methods of funding as we fund our businesses. Everybody wants to know how to survive the business loan process. So as you know, we've broken it down into four steps. I just want to go through those four steps one more time because I want to ease that concern. I want to make your lives easier when you're getting some capital externally. Step number one is that decision, to, the first half of the decision, to borrow or not to borrow. What we want to do in step number one is we want to take a look at the benefit we're going to get from borrowing. We want to understand it. We want to quantify it. Step number two, let's prepare the documentation. Let's get ready for underwriting. Step number three, let's find the best lenders for your given situation. Step number four, let's look at the cost, compare it to the benefit we identified, number one, and we can make this happen very quickly and very painlessly if we follow those four steps. Again, it's so important to start with identifying the benefit. Uh, Step two, the documentation and the underwriting prep. We're going to look for everything from a application to bank statements to tax returns, interim financials. We'll walk you through that entire process and we'll make sure it's comfortable for you. Step number three, because it's a highly fragmented business, please use professionals who have access to a, a large breadth of different funding solutions and can get the right one for you. And finally, number four, Once you've identified the cost from the best potential provider, you compare that to the benefit, and you make your decision to move forward. That's that's the most important thing right there is a comparison of the cost and the benefit. In our future shows, we've got coming up. Next week, we're going to talk about term loans and lines of credit, accounts receivable, and inventory financing. These are really terrific, modest cost solutions to most businesses' problems. So I want to make sure you you gather that information. We'll spend a couple of episodes on our business savings programs, reducing expenses, printing your own internal capital. 
We're going to talk about turning assets into working capital. We'll spend some time in a future episode on the SBA programs. Uh, we're going to talk about turnaround and renewal consulting. We're going to talk about CFO and CEO leasing and how that can help you increase your printed capital. Talk about peer groups, credit-only lending solutions, royalty funding, equity solutions, real estate financing, PO funding, and EB-5 as a solution for capital. I look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Please reach out to us at toll-free 844-249-3621. We look forward to your input, and we'll certainly try to make adjustments and answer your questions on the show. Talk to you soon. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Be sure to tune into Small Business Capital America with host Michael Schumacher every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Best wishes, and we'll talk again next week.